Welcome to the Building Great Lives podcast, a podcast about real life, real issues, and finding real answers to life's most difficult questions. And now your host, Trent Gillum. Greetings, everyone. Trent here. Welcome to episode number 56 of the podcast. I'm glad you've joined the Building Great Lives journey. Before we get started, as always, I'd like to say a huge thank you to our monthly ministry partners and, of course, to you, the listener. You make this ministry possible, and I'm excited to have each of you on the Building Great Lives team here at the Building Great Lives podcast. It's our desire to help people from around the world grow, heal, discover, and fulfill their unique purpose. Thank you for sharing these episodes. We're praying these messages of hope reach every possible person in every possible nation. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of overcoming the lies that we have started believing about ourselves. The enemy wants to attack our mind and convince us that we are not what God says we are. And when we begin to repeat those lies about ourselves, we begin to develop identities wrapped around lies. A lie is an assertion that is false, typically used with the purpose of deceiving or misleading someone. In John chapter number 8, verse 44, Jesus said, the devil is the father of of lies. Father here means founder or originator. Lies began with him and still flow from him today. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it declares, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And since Jesus is the author of faith, I think it's safe to conclude that the devil then would be the author of of our doubt. And doubt here isn't really referring to mind's natural tendency to question or wonder like all of our mind does. This type of doubt I'm referring to here is a disbelief that can lead to delusion, to the point of even rejecting the truth that God has said about us. The devil through lies attempts to confuse people into doubting what God has declared about them. I know people that have struggled not with believing the word of God is true, but believing what God's word says about them is true. They've gone through things and they've heard things, they've experienced things. The enemy has lied to them and they have rehearsed that lie on loop in their mind so long that they begin to think that they are what the enemy says instead of what God says. That's something that we must war against. That's the very purpose of this episode. I'm thankful that you believe in the truth of the Word of God, and that's going to play a strong role in you overcoming the devil's lies. But I also want you to believe the truth of what God says about you. And that's where many people struggle because we see ourselves through the lens of our pain, our hurt, our past, and our circumstance. But God wants us to see ourselves through his word of truth. Now, we understand that the Bible teaches that 
all lying is wrong. However, there's an old saying that goes something like this. What is the worst lie you can tell? The one you tell yourself. Now, while this statement is often said in various ways, the concept is the same. Lying to ourselves is dangerous. If you tell yourself a lie long enough, you'll start to believe the lie is true. There are many good-hearted people that have started to believe the lies that the devil has said about them. And there's a danger in believing the devil's lies. He's always trying to confuse us. The devil understands that if we start believing his lies, it creates huge problems in our lives. What we believe about ourselves becomes our identity. He knows that if you build an identity based around lies, it will hold you back. These lies affect our action of faith. We still have faith and confidence in God, but we struggle to put our faith into action. He knows if he can convince us of lies that it will limit the action of our faith. The devil will be okay with you believing in God as long as you don't do what God says. Believing lies about ourselves creates self-doubt. The devil's favorite strategy has always been to lie to us. He first plants the seed of a lie in our mind, and he hopes we'll water the seed by continually repeating it to ourselves. The more we repeat it, the more we begin to believe it. And as we start believing his lies, they grow to the point they choke the spiritual life out of us. From time to time, we all struggle with believing the devil's lies. In John 8, 32, Jesus said, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If truth sets you free, What does believing lies do? They hold you captive. Satan is good at what he does. He will do everything he can to lie to you about yourself. You must stop believing his lies. Don't listen to the devil. Recognize his lies for what they are. They are lies meant to hold you captive, but God wants to set you free so that you can put action to your faith and not just believe in God, but do a work for God. When we say to ourselves, I could never be better or I'll never get all that I need. I can never make that right. That's not God saying that. That is the enemy putting that in our mind and us rehearsing it. But the more we know God, the more we can discern the voice of the enemy and recognize the lies for what they are. That's not God saying that you can't make it. God would not tell you that. You have to stop believing the lies of the enemy. I feel like that God is positioning the timing of this episode to take you to a place of healing and loose your action of faith. One of the first lies that we tell ourselves is, I'm not good enough. When it comes to being used by God, we tend to associate talent or ability as keys to being used by God. And while those things can help, they are not required. 
God looks for availability over ability. If you have felt like you're not good enough, you are not alone. There are people all through the Bible that have felt the same way. Bible tells us the story of Moses, and we know that Moses raised in Egypt, then seeing the trials of his brethren being in bondage, he flees into the wilderness, and there he sees a bush that is burning. Exodus chapter 3 tells us that when he saw this bush burning, he turned aside to see it, and God speaks to him out of the midst of that burning bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. And he told Moses that he had heard the cry of the children of Israel, and he had seen how the Egyptians had oppressed them. And God told Moses, come now, I'm sending you to speak to Pharaoh that my people can be delivered from bondage. When Moses heard this, he did not respond with a courageous, here am I, Lord, send me. No, he immediately replied, God, I can't go. Exodus chapter number four, verse number 10 gives us Moses' response. He said, oh my Lord, I'm slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. He's telling the Lord, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. However, truth is Moses was uniquely qualified to speak to Pharaoh. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house. He was, in fact, very qualified to navigate the customs of the Egyptians in order to stand before the Pharaoh that was then in control. God knew exactly who he needed, but Moses struggled with, I'm not good enough. We must be careful that we do not believe the lie that we're not good enough. God is looking for availability. The Bible tells us also of a man named Gideon. In the book of Judges chapter number six, we learn that the Midianites had prevailed and the Amalekites had prevailed to the point that all of Israel lived in hiding and they planted just enough crops. And at harvest time, the Midianites would come down and take the crops. And the Bible says that it left Israel greatly impoverished. And there came a moment that this man named Gideon is out to harvesting wheat by the wine press. And he's hiding from the Midianites, trying to get enough to survive. And in that moment, an angel of the Lord speaks to him and says, thou mighty man of valor. How does Gideon respond? Does Gideon say, oh, this is me. Yes, I receive your call. No, he replies to him, oh Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. His initial response is, I'm not good enough, but with God you are good enough. Another example of a man in the Bible that struggled with being good enough is Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 1 
He told him, he said, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's belly. I knew you before you even came out of the womb and I sanctified and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. And Jeremiah did not respond with, oh, thank you, Lord. Thanks for the calling. I know with your anointing, I can stand in boldness and speak. No, what did he do? He said, oh, Lord, behold, I cannot speak. I am just a child. We can relate to Moses. We can relate to Gideon. We can relate to to Jeremiah. Yet Paul says in Philippians 4 and 13, a truth that sets us free from the bondage of the lie we've been telling ourselves. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things uh, through Christ which strengtheneth me. You need to stop believing the lie the enemy has planted in your mind that says you're not good enough. God won't use you. Stop believing the devil's lie. Stop telling yourself that. The second lie that many of us tell ourselves is I'm broken beyond repair. The enemy would love for you to believe that you've been through too much, that you're too broken to be healed. But I want you to consider this. In Nehemiah chapter 2, Jerusalem had fallen. The walls destroyed, the stones burned and scarred. But yet God began to move on a man named Nehemiah and gave him the burden to rebuild the broken walls. There was an enemy, Sanballat and Tobiah, that said, Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which are burned? There's no hope for those. They're broken beyond repair. Nehemiah and the people began to work, and they rebuilt the walls, reused, burnt, scarred stones that others said, Those are broken beyond repair. Think about that. If God would go to that much detail to place people in the right place at the right time and reuse that which had been broken, how much more will God work to heal you and put you back together? It is the enemy that says you are broken beyond use That is a lie of the enemy, and you need to stop telling yourself that. You are not broken beyond repair. God has a plan for your life. Don't listen to the enemy. Stop telling yourself that lie. If God would take that much time and pay that much attention to repairing a broken wall that has no emotion, that will never lift a voice, that will never raise a hand and worship him, how much more will God invest in repairing you and putting you back together again? Stop telling yourself that you're broken beyond repair. Psalms 31, David, with a mixture of prayers, professions of brokenness, and ultimate praise to God, says, I feel like a broken vessel. What good is a broken vessel? I believe that David used this term on purpose 
Because a vessel that's made to hold something, once it is broken, can no longer hold that which it was intended. It's lost its purpose. David's saying, I'm so broken, I feel like I've lost my purpose. However, by the time you get to the end of Psalms 31, his hopelessness has turned into praise. Even though he felt broken beyond repair, God raised him up again, to use him again. God is saying, you are not broken beyond repair. The truth that'll set you free is this. The psalmist declared in Psalms 147 and 3, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Psalms 34 and 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalms 107 and 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Truth is, you are not broken beyond repair. The third lie that many people tell themselves is, No one understands how I feel. When we go through difficult times, we can feel very much alone. Times of sadness or uncertainty. Sometimes it feels like no one could possibly understand how we feel. Jeremiah gives us a great example of this. When Jerusalem was destroyed, he was overwhelmed with sorrow. Bible says he lifted his voice and wept. When Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations, he was overcome with sorrow. He remembered the pleasant days in Jerusalem. It's busy streets. He said, now are empty. The voices that once filled it, no longer filled with joy, but filled with sorrow and sadness and crying. Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 12 says, And all ye that pass by, behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me. Do you know what he's saying there? He's saying, Of all the people that pass by, is there anyone else that feels sorrow like I feel it? Anyone else? Or am I the only one that feels this way? But Jeremiah continued in Lamentations chapter 2 and verse 10, the elders of the daughter of Zion sit upon the ground and keep silence. They have cast up dust upon their heads. They have girded themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem hang down their head to the ground. Did you catch that? Jeremiah first asked, is there anyone else that feels like I do? And then he answers the question and says, the elders of the daughters of Zion sit on the ground. They keep silence. They cast dust upon their head. They're girded with sackcloth. They hang their heads down low. Jeremiah is acknowledging, even though I feel great sorrow, I am not alone. There are others that have gone through this that feel the same sorrow I have felt. And I am not by myself. It is a lie that the enemy has told you. It is a lie that you must stop believing. You are not alone. And the truth that sets us free from this lie, there is one who truly understands how you feel. Jesus knows your pain and he knows how to help you get through it. He lived 
suffered and died for each one of us so we'd never have to endure alone. The writer of Hebrews declares in chapter 4 verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. He knows how we feel. The truth is, There's no new thing under the sun, and no matter what we're going through, someone else has not only endured it in the past, but they are enduring it right now. You are not alone in your struggle. The fourth lie that many people struggle with is, my family and friends would be better off without me. They wouldn't have to worry about me. If I were gone, life would be easier for everyone else. That is a lie from the devil. The truth that sets us free is this. The psalmist declared in Psalms 139 and 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. When we think of the marvelous works of God, we automatically go back to creation and how he spoke and the worlds came together. We think of that as his marvelous works, and no doubt it is. But I want you to look carefully at how the psalmist worded this psalm. I don't believe that any scripture in the Bible is there by accident. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So it was an inspired word that the psalmist got. He said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works is not starting a different stanza. It is revealing the thing that was marvelous. The psalmist is declaring that you are a marvelous work of God. And I know right now you may be struggling and you may be going through things and thoughts of giving up may have gone through your mind of, God is wanting to help you and heal you and anoint you so that you can become all that he has for you. And the devil recognizes the potential and the calling that is on you. And so he lies to you and gets you to repeat those things. It's time that you understand that you are uniquely you, designed by God for a purpose, for a special part of his plan. Your family and friends, the world, it would not be better off without you. You are loved and needed. There are some things that we can do to position ourselves to better discern these lies and overcome them. First, we must acknowledge and accept that the thoughts we have about ourselves are not always correct. The key to avoiding falling into the enemy's lies and repeating them and believing them is we need to know God and we need to know ourselves. That's why when Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? Peter answered, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Then immediately after that, Jesus looks at Peter and said, and thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's spiritual revelation occurring here that is necessary to overcome the devil's lies. First, you need to know the truth of who God is. And then you need to know the truth of who God says you are. If we get those together, they will help us discern and overcome the lies that we tell ourselves. Then you need to build your life on a foundation of truth. 
Our brain makes assumptions. It draws conclusions that are shaped by many compelling factors. Our brains tend to function on personal truths. Personal truths are beliefs that have been filtered through our perceptions. We must be careful because these beliefs are subject to the perception errors that we can make on a daily basis. If we are not careful, negative thoughts will lock us in to a pattern of believing untrue things about ourselves. These personal perceptions cannot be trusted to build a spiritually healthy life on. But there is an unchanging truth that can be trusted, that we can count on, that we can filter our thoughts through, that can correct us and that is the word of God. The word of God said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is a fixed position we can count on to navigate our lives. It will speak truth to every lie the devil puts in our mind. It will speak truth to every lie we believe about ourselves. Doing these things will help you learn the difference between feeling a certain way and actually being that way. God has called you to do great things. It's time for you to stop believing the lies that the enemy has put in your mind and as has become our tradition here at the Building Great Lives podcast. I want to pray for you, listener. I want you to become everything that God has called you to be. God, reveal the lies the enemy has placed in their life. And God, every time they begin to repeat them, every time they begin to believe them, I pray, God, that your spirit would move on them and they would discern, that's not from God, that's a lie. I am what God says I am, not what the enemy has lied to me about and not the lie that I have told myself. I am what God has called me to be. And as always, thank you so much for listening. In the meantime, please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend, maybe text them the link or share it on your social. You can find me on social at Trent Gillum, on Instagram at Rev Gillum. You can also reach me at Building Great Lives Podcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, let's keep building. You've been listening to the Building Great Lives podcast, a member of the Real Life Church Network. Join us next time as we dig deeper into life's most challenging questions. 